Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for another Collider Ladies Night with one of my favorite people in this business, Zoe Deutsch. Hello. I am so happy you are finally on Collider Ladies Night. I am so excited to be here talking to you. We have done a many of interview, many years. We've been on, I'm very excited to talk to you. (laughs) Oh, you're just making me realize I should have uh, brought my Vampire Academy uh, New York Times. I still have it framed downstairs in my apartment. It was my first like full page quote in a newspaper and I still love that movie and I'm never getting rid of that thing. Oh my God. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. We go way back, girl. We go way back. Very much. There's nothing that has made me feel quite as old as I I did when um, I realized there's, uh, I am now, they're remaking something that I was first in. That is that's some. That's a Hollywood sort of marker in time. You know, we love to remake things in Hollywood, and uh, I'm usually the one auditioning or trying to get involved in the remakes. But now they're remaking something I did. So pretty nuts. <laughs> Do you know what I was literally working on right before we signed on this call? What it was my it was my Vampire Academy series interview from Comic Con last weekend. So I feel like that happening, me working on that, and you being on this show today was kind of meant to be. It was meant to be with Bashar. All right. So I gave you the uh, warning of what we do on Ladies Night, but I did not tell you about step one of the show. We play with this dice tower behind me. So I have eight questions here. You get three rolls on the tower and whatever I roll for you, that's where we start at least. Perfect. All right. First one up. All right. We are kicking this off with a number seven, which is one of my favorites of the bunch. So number seven is IMDb Trivia. I'm obsessed with looking at the really weird and random facts on people's trivia pages. So if you had the opportunity to add one new fact to that page, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know what's on there now. I feel like one time I looked there and I was like, what are they even saying? I don't know if any of it's true or not. Um, Oh, gosh, Perry. Uh, uh, Trivia, 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 trivia. What's something interesting that I could offer up? 
The other way I could rephrase this for you is, you know how you have the rent, like the skills section on a, on a headshot resume? Like what is something that you would put on that that is so out of the field? I'm so useless. That's why I act like I, I act out people that can do things. I can't, if I could do those things, I would do them. I wouldn't be an actor. I, I, I act like I can do them. Um, I lied so much on my first resume about what I could do. I also for years, like when I was 15, 16, called it a, re a resume. I didn't know it was a resume. Um, my parents loved- If you didn't know about a resume, that would be a fair way to try to pronounce it though. Resume. I mean, you know, you would walk into an audition with your resume. It's like your, your headshot in the back is stapled, your like special skills and, your, and, your, um, and what you've done. And I would be like, and here's my resume. <laughs> a special, a, a, a fact to add, I, I always pick an animal for all my characters. I always study an animal and do um, Alexander Technique and animal work for all, all of my characters that I do. Okay, I'll follow that up. What was the animal on Not Okay? A monkey. I can't remember which type of monkey, but she was a monkey. Okay, okay. I like that. All right, we have your second role now. Moving over to a number three. This one is called Never Again. What is something you did for a role that now makes you say, I'm really glad that I tried that, but I would rather not do that again? I'd really rather not have to do <clears throat> like months of night shoots uh, for no reason. Like there was no reason we had to do, we just were staying on a consistent, like we didn't even need, we were on a sound stage and we were doing night shoots for months and it, felt crazy and I would rather not do that. I mean, if you need it, you need it. But if you don't, I'd just really rather not just do it to do it. You know, that felt unnecessary. It takes a long time to like write your schedule after doing that for that extent of time. It was just, it. well, it, it, you know, sometimes you have to do it for whatever lighting, but we were on a soundstage, so it didn't really make sense. So I, I would rather not do that again. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you mind me asking what project that was for? You never know. All right. <laughs> All right. Your last roll in the tower. We are closing this out with a number five. I'm glad we uh, landed on this one because this is the not okay themed question of the bunch today. So clearly uh, social media can be problematic in a wide variety of ways, but there's also like little pockets of, of sheer joy and positivity. So can you tell us one thing about social media that brightens your day on a regular basis? Any like <clears throat> pit bull dog video or like Dodo, like that account, it is perfect. But I, I follow like the hashtag pitbulls of Instagram. And that really just whenever a pit bull pops up in my feed, I'm, I'm stoked. 100% understand that. I feel like that is definitely my go-to as well. Yeah, you do? Dogs? Animals? Um, dogs, and I have become a cat person too. And one of my new favorite things on TikTok is watching people rescue cats and give them forever homes. And I cry when I watch these TikTok videos and it's great. Yes, they're the best rescue uh, TikToks or rescue talk is what we should call it. We should call that rescue talk if it's not already um, labeled that because I love rescue that talk. That hashtag should be a thing. <laughs> it's probably it's probably there. We're coming up with a great idea that already exists, but now I'm going to go follow that hashtag. Also, how many beverages can I have? I literally have water, coconut, coffee, matcha. There you go. I um, mean, I should probably take a cue from you because there's never any water on this table whatsoever, and there should be. This is empty. I have coconut water and two different types of caffeine. <laughs> it's because you drank it and that's a good thing. My entire body is made up of like 
coffee, beer, and Prosecco right now, thanks to Comic-Con. So I need to fix that. Was it fun? Was it the first time back in years? It was a lot of fun. It was incredible because it didn't feel real until we were on the ground when we were when we were like physically in San Diego. And the second you walk back into those buildings, it then feels like you had never left. And I miss that environment quite How a bit. How many Comic-Cons have you been to? This was actually my 10th. So wow. weird. That's amazing. No, that amazing. makes me feel old. I get it. I totally get it. Same. All right. Let's... I only said same. I had a conversation with myself in my head. Same because Vampire Academy was 10 years ago. So I said same, but I didn't explain why I said same. <laughs> Sorry. I, well, I remember that round table. I think it was like, what, what was it? Like 2013 in New, in New York Comic Con. Yes. Where I said, where I said another, uh, I mispronounced another thing, which I would never forget. Um, I called it the, I said, I'm so excited to be here at the Hakob Chavit Center. It was the Javits Center. And I was just, I just was like, oh, like, I don't know why I thought it was Jewish. I don't know what, I mean, I'm Jewish, but I don't know why Hakob Chavitz. Like, I don't really know where that came from, but everyone was like, what the fuck is she saying? I mean, I'm Jewish too. So the second you just said that, I'm like, well, I guess I could see how that could happen. Jacob Javits Center, the Hakob Chavitz Center. <laughs> All right. So the very first question on every ladies night is always, what was the movie, the performance or the personal experience that first made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor and nothing else? I had, I was feeling like that from the second I came out of the womb, honestly. I mean, as far as I don't remember, but as far as my mom can tell me, and there's a video I put on my Instagram of me at like six, five or something on her lap being like, I want to be an actress, you know? Um, uh, I, 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 I can't, uh, speak to a specific performance or moment in time. It was very clear to me very early on. that This is what I wanted to do. I would cry when Barbie was down on her luck and her and Ken would fight. Like I was very emotional about my house and Barbie games. Um, and I, I, um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I think, you know, when I started watching more movies and I'm, I'm no, by no means a cinephile, I'm pretty useless in, in that regard but Catherine Hepburn definitely when I saw when I saw bringing a baby in Philadelphia story and that that sort of that was really inspiring to me as a yeah what I I would you know how could you not be inspired by her 100% get that so that's kind of step one but it's one thing to say I want to be an actor but it's another to feel that you're you're meant for it so whether it was a professional gig you booked or something earlier on when you were much younger, do you remember the first time that you were able to say to yourself, like, this craft feels right, and I know deep down that I am good at it? Oh, gosh. I think probably in, like, my early improv classes, that's when I was really, I was really locked in, and I loved it, and it felt very therapeutic, and I don't know if it was that I felt really good at it. I don't know about that, I, I, but I felt really locked in, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, and I felt really challenged by it, and I, um, I loved it. I love it. I love acting so much. I'm like, I really, it's the best. I've always felt that way since I started, so... That question always feels so unfair to me to ask as like a constant self-doubter. It's like, it doesn't matter if I've done a good interview. I'm like, well, I could have been better that way, that way, and that way. Yeah, no, it's it's tough. It's, it's I, yeah, so you, yes, but I appreciate the question. And I, um, yeah, 
I don't know if I've ever been like, I feel great. I feel like I, <laughs> here, here's kind of a sister question to that. Has there ever been a time where you've watched the finished product and then thought to yourself, like that didn't feel that great when I did it on set, but now that I'm watching it in the finished product now, like I'm really proud of what I did in that scene. Yeah. Probably the politician, just because I felt we were so So the politician, it was a show that I did. Um, and I, my character is, um, her storyline with Jessica Lange is very isolated from the rest of the story. Like it's, a, it's sort of like the, a B plot, I guess you could say. And so it, it, it's like an isolated world that doesn't really, um, interact much until it does with the, the main story. And I just didn't know if it was going to work. And I was so lost and I didn't really have a ton of guidance. Uh, and I just, it was just like, I just wanted to uh, be a good partner to Jessica, who's my absolute idol. Um, and I didn't know if it was going to work. And then when I watched it, I, I was, <laughs> I felt pretty proud of it. And I, um, yeah. It worked. <laughs> You've said a key word there because I love talking about the value of good scene partners. So in an instant like instance like that or really anything you've worked on, what does it mean to you to be a good scene partner for someone else? And what do you appreciate to get back from a scene partner? Hmm. I think being a good scene partner is is the is the job. You know, the the um I guess this is probably an inappropriate thing to say, but it's the truth. It's like, well, maybe I shouldn't say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to get in trouble for it, but you should be concerned with, you should, you shouldn't be thinking about yourself when you're acting. You should be reacting to your scene partner. You should be entirely focused on, I think, I, I think the, the, when I'm the, when I, when I'm the best and when I'm, I'm fully present is when I'm, when I'm just, Anyway, I think being a but sorry, I'm 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 meandering here. But being a good scene partner is my priority in in my job for sure. And what do I appreciate in um in in life? The same. And yeah, I, I love all types of actors, and I just want to know how um how I can how I can be of service and how I can you know be there for them. If that's running lines in the trailer before, if that's not talking to them at all, if that's kind of carrying on the vibe of whatever our relationship is onwards or not at all, I, I really like to I like to play with that and um, and do what feels best for them. This is a really big question, but to open it up to any actor you've ever worked with, can you give us like two polar opposite examples of what someone's needed from you as a scene partner, like two, two completely different acting techniques that you had to work with and then maybe adapt to. Well, Mark Rylance is, <clears throat> as you know, an up and coming actor. And I don't even know who he is. <laughs> he's, <laughs> no, he's <clears throat> the, you know, the considered the greatest living theater actor, um, or of all time. And he is, for the most part, in character, or I guess what people would call method. Um, and so, but his way of not letting that affect other people is he's very quiet and very, he's just sort of keeps to himself. He's the 
to be clear, the kindest, most gentle. I think method has a really negative connotation to it. You never hear about method actors who are like playing a happy, nice, you know, it's always method because it's like a dark, serious role and they're staying in it and want to whatever. But he was just nothing but lovely and nothing but respectful. But it was a different energy. He, he like I, I, I like to, if I'm doing a serious thing, serious scene after I like, I gotta let it all out. Gotta like be kind of crazy just to like get all that energy out. He still stays very contained and in his space. And that was, I just wanted to respect his space and, and, and I ended up sort of mirroring his energy in between um, scenes. Cause I just, I didn't want to disrupt him. Uh, not that I could, I mean, he's so, <laughs> yeah, he's the greatest, but that was an interesting experience. And then I don't know. And then someone like, oh gosh, you know, someone like Jesse Eisenberg, who he's unbelievable. He's writing for everybody around, at least my experience with him. He was so gracious. He was like writing jokes for us and, 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 and coming up with ideas and, and, and just being so generous about his, um, uh, what was going through his mind and what we could do to elevate and have more fun in a scene. And so it made me want to do the same for him. And I just, that was a very different experience than I was used to. Because a lot of the times actors are afraid, I think of, you know, if I came to come up to an actor, what if you do this? You know, they don't want to, they don't want to like step on, you, you know, it can be misinterpreted. And he was never once, he, he had such great ideas. And then you get to take credit for his great ideas. You know, he was so wonderful. And I was so not used to that. People are so cautious about it. He was just so wonderful and brilliant and i uh, i loved that so you are exceptional in that movie that feels like a very delicate balance with that character where either it works really well or it does not and you like pitch perfect nailed what that character needed <laughs> thank you i think that my the thing with that character is i just played her super positive everything was positive you can throw anything at her and she'd be she would find a positive in it so it was like a it was fun to play her. I actually was, I had a great time because I was always just looking at the, on the bright side and just always so positive. Like what could go wrong? We're going to figure it out. Everything's going to be fine. That's when you should go method and just live in that character's headspace all the time. You know, that's what's so funny about <laughs> method is that you inevitably, that stuff seeps into you, you know, like you're not, you, you, even if you're not method, it's with you. It stays with you to a certain extent. So I did, I was happy that old shoot. I was very positive. I had such a, that was like the most fun I've ever had on a, on a, on a job. I love to hear it. All right, let's get into a couple more titles here. One of the first ones I wanted to ask about was Beautiful Creatures because the the term breakthrough role always fascinates me because it's thrown around all the time. And sometimes it can be true. It really can be classified as a breakthrough role. But sometimes I feel like folks use the term just because it's a newer face and a bigger budgeted movie and it's not actually the reality. And that term is often applied to you with Beautiful Creatures. So did Beautiful Creatures really feel like that to you where after that movie came out, doors opened up that maybe weren't open to you before? Gosh, what a good question. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, for me, it it felt breakthrough because it was the first time like I was on location alone. I mean, my sister came, but I was... Um, it was like, I felt like I, it was this whole glamorous experience. I had this, I was staying in a hotel and there were all these fabulous actors who knew so much more than I did. And we were in New Orleans and it was, um, it was, it was just like, it was, it, it felt, it felt very cool and new to me, but 
I don't know if I've ever felt like breakthrough any, you know, I just was like, oh, and I don't know. I'm sure it opened up more doors for sure, but it's hard when you're in it. It's sort of like looking at it, reading a book this close, you know, everything's blurry. Like you can't really see the pages. <laughs> you got to step back. But in hindsight, I'm sure it did open up a lot of doors for me. Now, you know, I have to ask about Vampire Academy too. I hate that this question about it has like a little bit of a negative connotation, but okay. so it, this, this always fascinates me as well. But as an actor, box office is not your concern. You are there to make the movie better through a great performance. And you all very much did that. But I also know that box office reception can hurt when the numbers aren't quite there. So what is the key when you go through something like that to not letting that kind of disappointment I guess, like, make you dejected over something that you can't control? Great question. Well, less box office and more reviews. I am a double Scorpio. I remember every, every journalist, everything they say, and they don't know that. And when I see them, I know every single thing that everyone has, anyone has ever said. And I keep it in my head and I lock it away. And I am, and uh, that's that. Um, box office uh yeah that is um that's a tough one it was i was definitely scared um i i'm sure i was really scared i think i'm grateful that uh it didn't <laughs> it didn't totally deter me from getting other work <laughs> but, uh and I, and I wouldn't take it back. I, I, I have so much gratitude and um, I have so much gratitude for the experience and what I learned from it. And, uh, uh, but gosh, how do you let it not? I don't know. I, I don't know how you let it not like mess with you. It definitely feels like the ultimate form of rejection and public shaming, but you, you just keep going, you keep going on and, there's always, there's always more <laughs> failure to have um, if you're so lucky. So, you know, it's ups and downs, it's ups and downs and it's, it, it's constant. And um, the person that remembers the stuff the most is you and you just got to keep, keep going. That's the only difference between people who, who keep working and people who don't, you just keep going, you know? You have absolutely no choice but to handle it that way in an industry like this. And yeah. for what it's worth, I have a lot to say about the release strategy of that movie that could have fixed what happened. But that is a conversation. Me too. I would love that. to know that. I would love to know that. I will share that information when we wrap. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm looking forward to seeing the show. I, it'll be a really interesting experience for me. I, I, I I'm. I'm looking forward to that. As am I. I'm very curious to see what they do. Speaking of the behind the scenes stuff, you've really been loading up on producing credits lately, which always excites me when an actor uses their platform to get projects made that they really believe in. But uh, being a producer on a project can mean like a million different things. So when you agree to serve as a producer or an EP on something, what does producing mean to you? What is the top priority for you to contribute? Good question. I think... Um... I'm very involved in, in just punching up and, and like, uh, and, um, and fine tuning scripts. I'm the shittiest writer, but I just, I love writers and I love working with writers and I hope I can be of service and help in that way. Um, <clears throat> and very specific about aesthetic and, and the world that they live in. I, I'm, I really 
I, I want it to be dynamic and multifaceted and beautiful. So um, with the set design and the and the costumes and the photography and um, and and the marketing and the posters and that kind of stuff and all the that the the stuff that people see, <laughs> I'm very involved in. I, I really care about the aesthetic and world of this person that I'm playing. And I, um, I've been so lucky to work with so many amazing people. And I, I just want to, I want to, I want to continue that and just work with wonderful, talented department heads and, and, and be able to be a part of the process of giving jobs to people that are kind and good at their job and, um, and a team player. So that's very important to me in, in creating that like set family thing that, that, uh, I'm a big believer in set family, but all all of what you just said about aesthetic, you really can see it in not okay. It was it was some an element that really impressed me. So it's not surprising to hear you say that right now. Care a lot about the details for sure, and I'm a control freak, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get that too. Um, all right, so jumping into not okay full force right now. So I was reading an interview Quinn did where she was talking about the response to the movie during test screenings and how a whole lot of people asked, why would someone make a movie with an unlikable woman in it? And I got a whole lot to say about that, but I did want to throw that question to you. What draws you to a story of where you have to play a character who makes so many bad choices? I think it's, I mean, look, it's fascinating and fun to play somebody who constantly, who, who, who has this big secret, you know, that makes, it raises and heightens the stakes in a way that uh, is thrilling to play. There's always something bubbling under the surface, right? And for her, well, first the script was so good and so tight and so interesting and had a lot to say about things that I, I, I am constantly trying to wrap my head around. So I thought, wow, this is a really worthy story to tell. I want to watch this movie. Um, and then with Danny, I just found her to be fascinating to play someone that who, who lacks, who has zero self-awareness. That is a, that's a fun opportunity, right? She has no, she is on a different planet than everybody else until pretty much the second to last scene of the movie in the canceled support group when she says, I don't want to give away a spoiler, but when she, when she, when she basically says she doesn't know if she's learned anything, that's the first time I think, I believe that I feel like she's actually, she's actually on the same page as other people. And by saying that it almost, she almost, you almost realize, wow, she has learned something. Uh, so I just, I just, I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta play her. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was so uncomfortable at times. I was like, oh, so uncomfortable. But I, I, I loved playing her too. I genuinely mean this. I'm very impressed by how well you all pulled this off because that's not an easy thing to do. And I might have seen a couple movies recently that tried to do this with protagonists that make bad decision after bad decision. And ultimately, I walk away saying to myself, well, like, what was the purpose in sitting through that? And I think you tick both boxes here where you do that and you bravely stick to it. But there is really deep value in what I just experienced. Yeah, I mean, the hope is that the hope. Look, and I never like to tell people what they should take away from the story, right? But what I, one of the things that I took away that was really important to me was at the ending when 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 she realizes that she's this is not her story. She is not the main character. She should 
learn how to listen better. It's time for her to be quiet. And there's something really valuable in that, um, for me at least, in in um, learning how to be a better listener in this world and in this life and with, yeah. As for the specifics with Danny, so in that interview, Quinn had also said that when you first signed on, you were totally fearless about it. And I can see that fearless fearlessness in your performance. But when you first jumped into the project, was there any particular aspect of the character that kind of had you circling that thing in red and saying to yourself like that, that in particular is going to be the biggest challenge. There was a line in the movie that I, I was really nervous about and it didn't make it. Uh, but otherwise I felt like you needed to go a hundred percent, you know, I'm not condoning or defending or, or uh, aligned with anything she's saying, of course, but in order to properly represent this, this type of, of um, person uh, who's a product of her environment, I felt like we really had to go balls to the wall for lack of a better way of articulating. <laughs> but also I'm wearing my pencil Danny Sanders shirt. So, you know. <laughs> I've, I've had um, another window blocking your shirt and I'm just seeing that now. That is A plus. You guys should like send that out as mailers or something. That's Last brilliant. week, Quinn, I, I was like, Quinn, should we get that? Because in the beginning of the movie, there's a, it's Paris Hilton wearing canceled Annie Sanders because, you know, there's that famous photo that circulated that uh, where it says stop being poor, which actually she was wearing a shirt that said stop being desperate. But anyway, she was, Paris was kind enough to let us use the image um, of her and Photoshop it. And then I, I was like, I reached out to Searchlight. I was like, is there any way we could make some shirts? And they were amazing. They made them right away. And so Quinn and I have our Cancel Danny Sanders shirts. <laughs> that is spot on. All right. I wanted to ask you about working with two co-stars. The first one, of course, is uh, Mia because like, she is exceptional. And in preparing for this interview, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of reading all about her too. And it really just feels like she is on the cusp of yes. blowing up this industry in a really yes. special way. So what is it about her and especially about her early on in her career that makes you really excited for what the future holds for her? Gosh, she is really talented. Um, and I, I feel I'm very confident that she is as you said, going to take over. Um, she's currently in the process of it. Uh, acting with her was amazing. It was so it was so interesting because my character is doing such questionable, just just you know, and it was heartbreaking for me to do these scenes with her because she's so um, vulnerable and kind and beautiful as a person and as an actor, and it just it emanates out of her. She radiates like. Um, beauty from within, obviously from outside too, <laughs> but it was a, it was a challenge because I just felt guilt. I felt like so much guilt for doing this to this beautiful soul. Um, and I, I, uh, I'm so sad that she can't be here with us doing press, but she's obviously shooting because she's going to be shooting for the next hundred years because um, <laughs> she's amazing. I'd believe it. I really would. Um, so this feels a little silly, but the other co-star I need to ask you about is your guinea pig co-star. I know you're a big animal lover. So what was it like working with the guinea pig? And also, did you ever discuss with Quinn or anyone why specifically her pet was a guinea pig and not any other animal? Well, yes, I did. Because it's a lot harder to deal with. <laughs> we just needed a small thing contained, you know. Um, guinea Weasley. And I shared an incredible bond. I was able to get Guinea Weasley to do 
virtually anything but by the brain. I was like, we were very, very connected. And I don't know how or why. It was really funny. I loved that. It was so cute and fluffy. It was so fun to have Kenny Weasley on set. Oh my gosh. I, I, it was amazing. It was really brilliant. He would just do whatever I needed him to do. I'd be like, turn right, turn left, do this, do that. And he would do it. As someone who grew up with a guinea pig, I was especially taken by the fact that that guinea pig seemed to act like a cuddly cat or dog. And now it has made me want a guinea pig, but I know if I get one, it's probably going to bite me. <laughs> I know. I've never had a guinea pig, so that was my first experience with one. <laughs> They're fun, but I got bit a couple times as a kid and it wasn't pleasant. Um I'll have a game for you very briefly, but before we get there, there's one question that I really did want to ask you because you are, I love your filmography. I love the bold projects you take. I love that there's always something different in them. It has just really surprised me that you have yet to be snatched up by one of the massive franchises out there. So it was making me wonder, does, does that kind of working environment not appeal to you as much as something like the set of Not Okay? Because it does feel like you have worked on a whole bunch of intimate productions where, you know, it speaks to what you brought up before, where there is an opportunity for everyone to feel like a real family. No, I'm so game. Uh, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I, I auditioned for them all the time and it just, just hasn't happened, you know. Um, I, there's a certain set of criteria and, 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 um, and like box office stuff, uh, as we were talking about earlier and, and foreign value and all that stuff. Um, so I, you know, if your movies have done well in other countries, that's what that means. Um, so I would love to, 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 you know, if it's a good part to, to be a part of something like that. Um, but it just hasn't happened. I've auditioned still, I still am auditioning all the time. I've auditioned for every part I've ever done, except for the ones that I've produced. Um, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm game. You can probably see it all over my face. That is genuinely shocking to me. Yeah, the only things I've ever, yeah, so like Buffaloed, um, Your Particular Man, uh, Not Okay, and Something from Tiffany's are the only things that I've, um, I haven't auditioned for, uh, but I produce those. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. For whatever the big franchises were that didn't pan out for you, it is their loss. And you're using that time to make some A-plus stuff because I, like, seriously, very impressed by Not Okay. So we always wrap Ladies Night. I mean it. We always wrap Ladies Night with a second game. And I'm bringing back Would You Rather for you because we played this in 2016 at South by Southwest. I remember. And the questions have evolved. <laughs> I, I still, that video pops up all the time and I see comments on it nonstop. So I had to bring this back for you. Okay. My first would you rather question for you is, would you rather play the killer in a horror movie or get a really gnarly death scene? Killer. If you were a killer in a horror movie, what type of killer would you be? Would you be kind of like a masked knight, knife wielding killer? Or are we talking about something else here? What do you envision for yourself? Well, it's definitely going to be like a psychological thriller, horror, more like heady kind of thing. So I feel like something a little bit more uh, manipulative and mysterious. Uh, and maybe that, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever done a horror movie? No, I'd love to. All right, we need that to happen now. Can you produce one of those next, please? <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to produce a horror. I that, that, that is not what I, I, that kind of work, I'll let someone else do that. I can't. 
I'll act in it, but I don't want to deal with producing a horror. I get that. There's there's a lot of a lot of uh, bloody gory parts to that that is interesting to work with. I don't want to deal with the logistics of continuity of blood and 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 the night and or the timing of the night shoots and the turnarounds and all that. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Extremely reasonable, right there. Would you rather have to watch dailies every single day on set or not see a, sting, a single stitch of footage until you watch the final cut of a film? I, I am a, I way better if I can watch dailies or playback. I, I'm, I'm a way better actor for it. I can sort of get a sense of the tone. I can, it, sometimes it feels really good, but you don't realize that the lighting is you, you never know what is happening around you. I'm so much better of an actor when I can see playback and when I can watch dailies. I actually really have a difficult time watching it put all together. I don't really want to, I, I have, that's harder for me. Like I watched the premiere of Not Okay, which was, I've never done, I don't think I've ever sat through um, a premiere ever. Um, but uh, so yeah, I'd say that's more of a difficult thing is watching it in total. But I, I, I really, just because I can separate myself and not like be judging, I can be like, oh, <clears throat> this is what I need to do and this is what I need to do different and I can sort of uh, fix in the moment um, <clears throat> and give people what they need, uh, yeah, instead of guess. Oh, I get that. All right, I'll wrap with two of my favorite ones. I've been, I've started to become obsessed with like how difficult it is to do the little things. So first, would you rather have to wake up in a scene or fake drive in a scene? Oh, wake up, wake up. Can you do, can you do a convincing wake up though? It's like every single time, most of the times I see that it's just like, do I really wake up that way? I know. And I did a lot of waking up in before I fall. I did, I did a thousand waking up takes. I've never woken up. <laughs> I so totally much. forgot about that. I'd rather wake up. I, I but the problem is you, it, it, I'd way rather wake up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is actually my absolute favorite question of the bunch. It's a little gross. Would you rather have to fake sneeze or fake vomit in a scene? I've done both. Fake sneeze is better. Fake vomit, you actually have to, you, ha they, you have to have, like for, for Zombieland, they made a, it's, it was really gnarly. Uh, Woody Harrelson was truly disturbed by it. It was a mixture of like graham crackers, yogurt, and orange juice that they like made in a little like mixture. And they, and I would have to go like put a mouthful of it and then like it out. Cause it was like, I was projectile vomiting in it over and over and over and over and over again. And that was pretty gnarly. Also when you're imitating, when you're, you're doing that gagging, it starts to really, you know, you, you start to get your gag. You're like, you actually, <laughs> You're like, you might do it. So definitely sneeze. That's what worries me most. And also that mixture with the orange juice just sounds absolutely awful to me. You are correct. It is absolutely awful. <laughs> I could talk to you all day long, but I have to let you go because you have a movie to celebrate. Seriously, congratulations on everything you've accomplished, but in particular right now, Not Okay, which when everybody watches this will be available to stream on Hulu. I highly recommend it. Check it out. Zoe, we have to have you back on soon for another ladies night. Yes, I love talking to you. You are just the greatest. And um, I am. I just can't wait to talk to you again soon in December. In December, we'll talk. Okay. <laughs> I like the sound of that. I'm holding yes. you to it. <laughs> yes. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.